soybean demand is getting a shot in the arm from Chinese purchases. But you sure couldn't tell it from the way that the market is performing. We'll learn about how military veterans are making a difference for the biofuels industry and hop on the College Roadshow. Time for a stop at ACES at the University of Illinois. Live from Illinois, sort of, via Farm Journal broadcast, <laughs> this is AgriTalk. This morning we begin with a conversation with Jeff Cooper from the Renewable Fuels Association. And then it's Herman Bolero of the U of Illinois. Directly following the news, Greg Henderson from Drovers. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. Now, your beloved sojourning host, Jeff Flory. <laughs> All right, Davis. Hey, thank you so much. Yeah, we're back in the bunker yesterday. Uh-huh. Yesterday morning we were watching ocean-going vessels on the Mississippi River at the port of South Louisiana, and uh, this morning I'm looking out the uh, looking out the window at, at at my backyard. It's uh-huh. just crazy, just crazy. It was a long long day of travel for Big Apple Joe Stackler and myself, but mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. are back where we should be and uh, ready to ready to go. Fired up for it. What an experience yesterday seeing that massive massive operation down there Mm. in louisiana we'll be talking Mm -hmm. more about that as time goes on Uh, when you were down there Mm -hmm. as you're watching the uh the activity go on there were were you thinking inside of your head sitting in the morning sun (laughs) i'll be sitting when the soybeans come (laughs) yeah uh, yeah I'll admit, yeah, that did enter my mind a couple just of times. Just a little. Out of boy. Just a little. I'd just expect little. no less. Fantastic. <laughs> we've got reports coming up today, too. Yeah, we do. Uh, so we've got some position evening coming uh, happening in the markets today. We'll find out from Brian Grady, who you had on the show yesterday. Yep. Uh, no, Tuesday. Excuse me. Who you had on the show Tuesday. Was it Tuesday? To get ready. That's right, because you were on yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh Oof. <laughs> it's all blending together now, isn't it? It really but is. But we, uh, we'll do a little bit of a recap of those expectations at the end of the show today. You bet. All right, let's get to it. What do you got? Well, Chip, I've got some daily sales here. I've got Jeez. 1.04, we'll call it, million metric tons of beans for delivery to China during the 23-24 marketing year and 663,000 metric tons of beans for delivery to some unknown destination yeah. during the 23-24 marketing year. Those are daily export mm-hmm. sales announcements. That's we right. had the weekly export sales report out this morning. And the weekly export sales report, let's see, I can get that real quick. This is for the week ended November 2nd. Soybean sales were kind of mediocre at 1.08 million metric tons. So mm-hmm. this total here is 1.6 and it's probably all going to China. Well, there's kind of a lot to chew on here. Let's start here. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is expected to file cloture on a short-term continuing resolution to keep federal agencies open past the November 17 deadline. While no definite CR end date has been confirmed, sources signal it will likely extend into mid-December. Now, Speaker Mike Johnson has not revealed his plan, but talks continue about a laddered continuing resolution, uh, resolution approach where some spending bills would expire in December, others in January, maybe February. President Joe Biden administration officials are issuing veto threats over any bill that does not adhere to the Fiscal Responsibility Act. And I've got just a little bit on the farm bill, too, Chip. Do yeah. you want to take a small bite first? Yeah, I do. Keep it simple, people. Yeah. Pass the appropriations bills. G.T. <laughs> Thompson said a new farm bill will not come before the full House until January, quote, ah. At the earliest, citing delays in getting scoring on proposals, in technical responses from USDA, and from a lack of agreement on key issues. Thompson also pointed out the House is only scheduled to be in session two weeks in December as another factor. We talked about this quite some time ago. Uh, Wiesmeyer brought it up. Pro-Farmer Policy Analyst Jim Wiesmeyer brought it up. There is a new director at the Congressional Budget Office that is responsible for scoring, putting a price tag on these different proposals. And they're just, they just don't have the urgency Hmm. that Chairman Thompson needs to get these things moving forward. There is a huge level of frustration over this. 
Yes. Well, in other news, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is scheduled to engage in two days of discussions with China's deputy prime minister responsible for economic policy. These talks are expected to pave the way for a rare meeting between President Joe Biden and Chinese President Xi Jinping, perhaps next week. U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai will travel to Indianapolis, Indiana, as part of the Biden-Harris administration's Investing in Rural America tour. Tai will visit Indiana this Friday to say administration's public policies have lowered trade barriers abroad for American ag products and increased access for farmers and producers in global markets. She's going to say that, apparently, yeah. Chip. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. It, it, it'll be, uh, I mean, they're starting. They're starting to roll the the um, uh, cabinet positions and, and other age administration officials out in campaign speeches. Mm-hmm. Well, Chip, due to an unexpected nationwide shortage of paper milk cartons, many school food authorities are unable to obtain milk in half pints for their school meals programs. Although schools are still expected to meet the fluid milk requirements to the greatest extent possible, supply chain disruptions, including disruptions that limit milk variety or affect serving size, are considered a temporary emergency condition. Chip, we'll keep an eye on this, but a shortage of paper milk cartons here. Yeah, that's strange. I mean, we're having a hard enough time keeping flavored milk, chocolate, strawberry milk in the in the schools, and even just whole milk. Just milk, in the yeah, whole milk, yeah. Right. Yep. So indeed. All right, thanks, buddy. Let's bring you in bet. Greg Henderson, editorial director at at Drovers. How you doing, Greg? Good morning, Chip. I'm doing well, thank you. Well, you're doing better than what the live cattle and the feeder cattle markets are doing here recently. <laughs> what's your yes. What's your take? been quite a hangover chip since that cattle on feed report three weeks ago and uh analysts are telling us that we, we may see another cattle on feed report uh, projected so show placements uh up nine percent so what is that all of that done obviously it hit the futures market pretty hard uh it it, it uh is it, showing us that they're the feeder cattle were being placed on feed. And so the number was not as tight as maybe they thought. Now we've got feeder cattle running at least $10 a hundredweight lower than they were a month ago, Chip. And that's probably going to continue for a while, especially if that November or that October cattle on feed report published in two weeks shows us that number is uh, of placement numbers up again. They're talking about 9%, which would be used. Now, that is compared to a year ago, which those numbers were low. But if we keep placing the heifers at 40% rate, um, that's going to be pressure on feeder cattle. Well, and with those heifers that were were putting in the feedlot, we're certainly pushing out the uh, growth in in the beef herd that much further down the line right absolutely absolutely we you know we talked to Nalivka this week and yeah. you know we're talking about late 24 even if we can we've got to have rain we've got to see some change in the in the pasture and range conditions before that happens it's a strange cycle that we're in here greg we're going you and i are going to have to have a full segment conversation about what's going on here Uh, before too long thanks buddy we'll talk to you soon thank you chip you bet that is greg henderson editorial director at drovers coming up next conversation with jeff cooper president ceo renewable fuels association every farmer has their reason for why they do what they do for becks it's faith family and farming Since 1937, the Beck family and family of employees have been committed to honoring God and helping farmers succeed. Farming is full of extremes, and we face the challenges with hard work and steadfast determination, delivering quality line of products backed by legendary customer service. We look forward to standing by your side, supporting you as you live out the life you were meant to live. Beck's, when it comes to farming, we believe in something more. The Scoop Podcast is where we talk about tight supply chains, emerging agronomic challenges, technology tools delivering ROI. I'm Margie Echelkamp, editor of The Scoop and host of The Scoop Podcast. Join me as I interview leaders from across the ag retail sector. Farmers are working hard for every bushel and their trusted advisors are by their side. Find The Scoop Podcast wherever you find podcasts so you are up to date on everything ag retail. 
Sometimes I just cannot believe all the storms we've gone through here. I can only hope that we'll be able to leave this house to you one day, baby. You're our legacy. Planning for these disasters will make sure we're safe. And it's the best way to protect that legacy. Protect your legacy. Visit ready.gov forward slash plan for the tools and tips you need to start your emergency preparedness plan today. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Scammers often try to dupe veterans to steal the VA benefits they've earned. Scammers may try to obtain sensitive information or collect payments over the phone, offer to move assets in order to qualify for pension, insist benefits may be sent directly to a friend or caregiver, or promise to manage benefits or file a claim for you. VA will never charge you for processing a claim, and only VA can determine eligibility. To report suspicious activity, visit va.gov forward slash OIG forward slash hotline. Hi, I'm Ag Day host Clinton Griffiths, and I invite you to join me each morning as we cover the nation's food system, from fields of green to orchards of orange and livestock everywhere in between. America runs on agriculture, and here at Ag Day, agriculture is what we do best. Listen as our analysts track the markets, learn about innovations in technology and sustainability, and live the country lifestyle through the eyes of rural America. Join me, Clinton Griffiths, for Ag Day, the country experience. What is dedication? My biggest fear in the middle of my addiction was that my kids wouldn't have a father. And I started thinking, you know what? This isn't my story. I definitely had to become a better man to be a better father. It's important to me that my kids are empowered and truly believe that if, if they can think it, they can do it. That's dedication. Visit fatherhood.gov to hear more. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. AgriTalk is brought to you by Bex. Bex Hybrids is with you every turn because both on and off the field, we're all farmers at heart. See why at BexHybrids.com. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you're with us here this morning. Uh, Davis, Saturday is Veterans Day. uh, And... Mm -hmm. We we do our best here on AgriTalk to recognize what members of the military have done for us we every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Veterans Day is the one day that we set aside for an official acknowledgement a day for all Americans to say thank you to our veterans for what they have done to preserve the freedoms that we enjoy in America. Uh, this Saturday is Veterans Day 2023. And we're going to get things started by welcoming in Jeff Cooper, President and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Jeff, welcome back to AgriTalk, and thank you for your service, sir. Well, thank you very much, Chip. I appreciate that, and and thanks for having me this morning. You bet. You bet. Let's start with that. Tell us about your service. Uh, Yeah, I was actually a a captain in the Army uh, for, for several years right out of college. Um, and I specialized or our unit specialized in bulk petroleum supply and logistics. Uh, and so really, you know, our, our company's job, our battalion's job was, uh, essentially refueling tanks and helicopters and, and moving fuel anywhere on the battlefield that it was needed. So, um, that's, that's sort of how I got my start right out of college, uh, and, and left, the army and ended up at the national corn growers and then later, uh, to the RFA. And so here I am, uh, 20 years or so later after leaving the army. Yeah. Yeah. So how has that all influenced how you operate as president and CEO of the RFA? Well, I I tell you, Chip, the, 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 this conversation is very timely because just today we announced the launch of a new group that we're calling Veterans for Renewable Fuels. Yep. Uh, and really the purpose of that initiative is to recognize and, and really celebrate the contributions of military veterans in the industry. And there's a lot of them. Uh, according to the Department of Energy, one out of every six workers in the ethanol industry is a veteran. And that's about three times the rate of the national labor force. And, and so when we saw that report from DOE, we, you know, it's, that, that's a, that's a lot. And so yeah. we started yeah. sort of looking into why that is. And as we've talked to veterans in the industry um, and including my own experience, I, I think what, what we're finding is uh, 
when people are leaving military service and looking for a new job, searching for employment, they want to, they want more than a paycheck. They, they're looking for a sense of purpose. They're looking for work that is rewarding. They're looking for work that's going to allow them to continue uh, really pursuing uh, the values that they learned in, in the military. And, and the ethanol industry has been a perfect fit uh, yeah. for thousands of veterans for those very reasons. Yeah. Well, and it fits with their personal missions in a lot of way when it comes to protecting the security and providing security yep. for this nation. That, that's absolutely right. And, and when I ask, you know, some of our members who are veterans themselves, what, how did you end up in, in the ethanol industry? That's, that's the answer you get a lot of times is yeah. Look, this, this is an industry that allows us to continue honoring our commitment to making America safer, more secure, more independent, um, and, and helping to protect our neighbors by, by, you know, producing more domestic fuel, reducing our dependence on foreign energy. Uh, it really does allow us veterans to continue pursuing uh, values and, and things that were important to us and, and re fr frankly, reasons why we joined the military in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, tell us about the letter that was sent to President Biden. Yeah. So today, in conjunction with the launch of our, our Veterans for Renewable Fuels group, uh, there was a letter that was sent to President Joe Biden, uh, and it really it served several purposes. Uh, you know, first of all, it was to really thank him for his commitment to increasing the production and use of domestic energy and, and specifically renewable energy. Uh, but really, we wanted to call attention and, and highlight the role that veterans play in our industry and and call on his administration to more fully embrace the national security benefits of homegrown renewable fuels like ethanol. Um, yes, this administration has done a lot to advance the cause for renewable fuels, but boy, there's a lot more that we could be doing. Um, and, and I think, you know, sometimes this administration seems to be distracted by electrification. And, you know, one of the things we want to do is point out the national security, energy security risks of a headlong rush into electric vehicles because the minerals that go in those batteries uh, don't come from the U.S. They don't come from North America. They come from places like Russia, China, the Congo, other places that don't necessarily share our, our values and interests. Uh, so one of the things we want to do is, is again, continually uh, raise the issue of the importance of energy security. Energy security is national security, period. Um, and, and really, that was the purpose of the letter this morning to, to the That's president. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, was it the 2008 farm bill jeff and boy i'm i'm playing strictly off of memory here i didn't go back and look it up but energy independence and energy security made it into the title of one of the farm bills and i believe it was the 2008 bill uh really drove it home yeah, for a lot of people that, what we what what the ethanol and biofuels industry is trying to accomplish yeah that, that's right in, in 2007 there was the energy independence and security act Okay. And that was that was the bill that expanded and extended the renewable fuel standard. That's of it. course, that yes. was at a time when 60 percent, 60 percent of the crude oil that we were using in this country was being imported. Right. Uh, we have made great strides since then. We are a more energy secure nation today. We are more energy independent. We're not quite there yet, but we've made great progress uh, due in large part to programs like the renewable fuel standard. And and the the emergence of renewable fuels like ethanol, right? And that's that crude oil, that sixty percent of the crude that we were using that was being imported was being imported from countries that wanted nothing but bad things for the United States and the people. You got it, you got it. A lot of it was coming from OPEC, right? I mean, a ton yep. of that crude oil was coming from OPEC. In fact, I think around two thousand five, two thousand six, uh, most of the oil we were importing was was coming from OPEC nations. Today, we've significantly reduced that. We are still importing a decent amount of crude oil, but about 15% of that today comes from those OPEC nations. So we are making progress. Again, that's yep. that's due in large part to, to renewable fuels and, and other domestic energy sources. Right, right. Uh, military veterans, well represented in the Renewable Fuels Association. And tell us about the leadership right. for the Veterans for Renewable Fuels. Yeah, so our the vice chairman of the Renewable Fuels Association is a former U.S. Marine, 
a guy named Jeff Eastman, who is the CEO of an ethanol facility in Wisconsin. Uh, he is a co-chair of the Veterans for Renewable Fuels, along yeah. with another one of our board members, a guy named T uh, Tony Lighting, who is president of Trenton Agri-Energy, uh, an ethanol producer in Nebraska. Uh, Tony was a, a Blackhawk uh, helicopter pilot in the Army uh, for eight years and, and certainly had several combat deployments. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting as we kind of look around our, our boardroom table and, and uh, amongst right. our membership, that that one in six number is is proving pretty accurate. We've got <laughs> um, another few veterans on our staff here. I got a couple of Army vets uh, that 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 work on the RFA staff. Uh, so there's a lot of us around, and and I think this organization will really help uh, to formalize some of that network and provide us all an opportunity to get together and and swap yeah. war stories. But beyond that, just uh, it gives us another you know megaphone for advocacy as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, those those on uh, it, Justin Schultz, uh, Robert White, who we've yep. had on the show before, uh, a couple of other military veterans there at RFA, and and uh, uh, continuing their missions and promoting the the energy security of of the United States through the through the RFA. I think it's I think it's fantastic, man, and and this new organization and and what you're doing to recognize the contribution of military veterans is um, it, it's necessary. Okay. It's necessary yeah. that we do that. Uh, but it, it's also just really cool that, that you put this together, Jeff. Well, it's, it's been a, a rewarding experience. And again, I, you know, we want to do everything we can as an organization uh, yeah. to highlight the achievements and the contributions that veterans are making in our industry um, they really are the, the the backbone of you know you you look at disproportionately the 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 fact that so many veterans come from rural America and and small town mm -hmm. communities, mm -hmm. um and and really the ethanol industry has given them an opportunity to move back to those places, yep. and 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 you know find good paying jobs and raise their families in the sort of environment that they're used to growing up in and and it's just been a a good fit all around and for and it, veterans it, and, and we're just we're very proud to offer those opportunities yeah and they're finding the support that so many of these veterans need when they get back into the work you got it you got it good stuff jeff That's what it's all about really really good stuff uh appreciate all that effort again thank you for your service thank you to uh all the veterans out there for the service we'll talk with you again soon jeff hey thanks chip thanks for having me you bet. Jeff Cooper, President and CEO, Renewable Fuels. Every farmer has their reason for why they do what they do. For Beck's, it's faith, family, and farming. Since 1937, the Beck family and family of employees have been committed to honoring God and helping farmers succeed. Farming is full of extremes, and we face the challenges with hard work and steadfast determination, delivering quality line of products backed by legendary customer service. We look forward to standing by your side, supporting you as you live out the life you were meant to live. Bex, when it comes to farming, we believe in something more. If you served, we want you to get the health care and benefits you earned. We want you to come to VA. There's never been a better time to apply. Under a new law called the PACT Act, We've expanded VA care and benefits to millions of people who served and their survivors. No matter where you served or how long you served, check out va.gov slash pact to learn more about what VA can do for you and your family. Come, Come to VA. VA. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Joining us now, ProFarmer editor Brian Grady. Brian awesome bean demand beans have tried to work off the lows but it's kind of running into some some selling again what is going on yeah buy the rumor sell the fact chip yeah. uh you know the, it's been in the market that uh china and, and unknown destinations uh whether that's china or, or someone else or a combination uh has been actively buying u.s soybeans this week and and uh you know we we've seen that play out in the daily sales big daily sales this morning to to both china and unknown uh big weekly sales and, and uh yet here we are trading a nickel plus lower in most of the contracts here at uh, mid-morning so uh, nothing more than than uh, buy the rumor sell the fact and, and we're waiting on usda's report data uh in about a half an hour here 
Yeah, soybean oil being helped out by crude oil, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, outside yeah. markets are, are friendly today yeah. with crude oil uh, about a buck higher and, and uh, U.S. dollar about 100 points lower. But uh, um, soy oil is pretty much the only market that's being aided by that. Yeah, some positioning's got wheat 10 to 15 cents lower, corn trading 4 to 5 cents lower in most contracts. Take us over to that cattle trade. Boy, it's ugly again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just a technical breakdown. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's been volatile uh, the past several days here and, and uh, you know, down sharply, up pretty good, and then down sharply again and, and just, uh, you know, facing heavy selling pressure. Feeders are, are taking the brunt of it, but, boy, live cattle are, are around $3 lower here at uh, mid-morning, so heavy selling there as well. And then in the hog market, uh, we're seeing some strength uh, December through April contracts, a little bit of weakness in some of the far deferred contracts, but uh, generally a firmer tone here at mid-morning. All right, Brian, thanks, buddy. Pro Farmer Editor, Brian Grady, Markets Now. This is Andrew McCray, host of the American Countryside. I'm also a farmer and rancher from Northwest Missouri, and I hope you'll join me each week for Farming the Countryside as we take a look at the top issues impacting agriculture as told by the people farming and working in our industry. We'll talk about markets and trade, share some of the latest tips and trends for grain and livestock producers, and take a look at trends impacting rural America. Join me for Farming the Countryside on many local radio stations or on your favorite podcast platform, or just go to farmingthecountryside.com. Hey y'all, I'm Kelly Clarkson. Every American dreams of creating a better life for his or her family, but in some communities, those dreams face difficult challenges. When we come together to help those in need get the same opportunities as everyone else, we truly are making our country a better place to live for all of us. So look for volunteer opportunities in your community to help others achieve the American dream, all right? This message is courtesy of the United States Air Force. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. I don't know what you're thinking. So call us at 855-4-TALK-AG and tell us what's on your mind. Davis. I don't know who that was, but he sounds handsome as heck. Doesn't he, Chip? Doesn't he? Doesn't Woo! he? You bet. You know, it is time to go college road showing. Let's Can't do it. wait to do it. You bet. Farm Journal each fall features land-grant universities and the Farm Journal College Roadshow. Tyne Morgan, U.S. Farm Report, spearheads the effort. She's going to have coverage from Champaign-Urbana this week and the College of Agriculture, Consumer, and Environmental Sciences at the University of Illinois. Herman Bolero is the Dean of ACES. There at the University of Illinois, and he joins us right now. Dean Bolero, thank you so much for making time for us. Good morning. Good morning, and thank you very much for having me and looking forward to this conversation. Absolutely, absolutely. So tell me about the College of Agriculture, Consumer, Environmental Sciences. What makes you... What makes you excited about the opportunities that that you are bringing to students there at the University of Illinois? Uh, the, our College of Agricultural, Consumer, and Environmental Sciences here at Illinois often offers the opportunity to students really to uh, great careers in food and agriculture. It gets me excited. It's always about uh, the human aspect, right? I mean, we've got great students coming here. we got great faculty and staff. And that opens a lot of opportunities uh, for students to have a great education, but also um, a lot of experiential learning opportunities uh, to grow and be uh, in, in the road to great careers in food and agriculture. Um, so we're very excited about the different um, majors that we have in the college to offer the students that will become uh, the workforce for agriculture in the future and will define what careers in agriculture will be in the next 25, 30 years. So that's what it gets us excited. We're always thinking ahead yeah. on uh, what uh, the next generation of students will be. Yeah. Yeah. And it's difficult to keep up in the current environment that we're in because private industry is pushing it on the technology side. And it's, I, I talked about this last week uh, as well, but 
a theme has developed in these conversations, Dean Bolero, uh, that uh, the the colleges of ag at the land grant universities are they're they're pushing faculty. They are pushing the coursework very aggressively to keep pace with what is happening technology wise. In, in the field that it, it it's 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 a challenge but it's got to be exciting as hack it's a, it's a, thank you for that question because that's that's absolutely exciting and that's what it, it really drives us every day so um, when you look at our call just to be specific about it um, mm-hmm. about six seven years ago uh, we established a, a major standalone major that is called uh, computer science plus crop sciences. Uh, that is a combination of, cool. of everything related to uh, the latest technologies in computer coding, data science, connected to the applications in, in crop sciences, in agronomy. Um, and that's something that, you know, that's the beauty of being in this campus like the University of Illinois, in which we have a great college of engineering, a great department of computer sciences that has established this uh, majors, which is our combinations of computer science with a domain, in this case, agriculture. The, the computer science plus crop sciences degree is the first one in the country looking at those two things combined. So mm-hmm. uh, with that, I'm, I'm going to say it's just uh, the fact that we are thinking ahead of uh, what are going to be the needs of producers, the industry in the future, what kind of employees or what kind of yeah. workforce we need. So we're providing that education to our students, that along with uh, experiential learning of those students in companies that are, uh, you know, ahead in terms of digital technology. So a couple of years ago, we also established the first computer science plus animal sciences degree looking at, so students can apply to those degree and really will have uh, a a beautiful experience in terms of their education and uh, combining uh, animal science or all crop sciences with with computer science. You know? So we're very, very excited cool. about those things. That is very cool. Um, and that yeah. And, and I tell you that goes. Sorry to interrupt, but that goes along with the research going on at the University of Illinois. So we okay. we were able to attract the first artificial intelligence center in agriculture, funded jointly by NIFA and NSF, coming to the University of Illinois. That's a that's a combination of uh, engineering, uh, computer science, and agriculture, and the use of artificial intelligence into in, into agriculture. That uh, was a big, uh, I think it's, it's, it's a big uh, uh, yeah. move forward of this campus in terms of uh, we're committed to, again, what's the future brings to, to technology into agriculture. Yeah, yeah. The thing about AI, Dean Bolero, is if we don't figure out how we can make AI work for us, we're going to be working for AI in the future. And I think I'd rather. I, 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 <laughs> go ahead. I, I love that comment. I absolutely love that comment because yesterday we were talking about with a group of colleagues and say if we don't embrace AI, AI is going to embrace us. <laughs> and I think that being ahead of those technologies, putting it to work for producers, yeah. Uh, and and generating again, as I think it's very important to to educate the next generation of of individuals that will be in charge of that technology, and that we're very committed to that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing that you've mentioned uh, 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 more than than other deans of the ag colleges that I've talked to is preparing for that workforce. We've not talked a lot about placement percentages and so on with. Uh, uh, in these conversations, but I know across the board that there is still high demand for students that have been educated in the colleges of ag at these land-grant universities, and the same is true at the University of Illinois, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, I think, uh, quite honestly, that's what it keeps me up at night. I think that when we think about agriculture, we've been around for you know, ten thousand years. We want to, we will continue to be around. This is is essential, right? We all love it, but it's essential. Everyone's eat, everyone needs fuel. Um, 
but the thing is, what it keeps us at night is to say, how do we create uh, that workforce that will take uh, the job of how we're going to grow food in the future? I think that's something essential. And I think we need to embrace a lot of technology. We need to meet society where society is at. You know, we went from 150 years ago, mostly in Illinois, a rural society to now mostly an urban society, right? Yeah. So how are we going to... Um, uh, not only you know produce food, uh, but also how we are going to meet the demand of that uh, more urban society. How are we going to talk about agriculture and food to that urban society, and how are we going to yeah. uh, again educate um, students that will take the jobs. There are plenty of jobs out there. Our students are all being hired. Uh, our students have internships every. Yeah. Every every um, summer, so there there you know we we know that the jobs exist, but there is also a flip side of that question, which is how do we attract students that never thought of careers in agriculture, you know, to come into agriculture, because we do know that we can offer very exciting, very promising, uh, meaningful careers for those students, yeah. and I think uh, that is part of the equation when we think about developing that workforce, right? How do we bring the talent into, you know, uh, everything we do in food, food innovation, agriculture, natural resources uh, to, for students that never thought of careers in, in, in those areas. So uh, those, those are the things that we uh, brainstorm all the time here at the University of Illinois. Interesting. Interesting. You've mentioned um, the experiential uh, opportunities at the University of Illinois. Tell us, give us about a minute on that. I'm I'm interested in what opportunities are available. So uh, I think that uh, what we hear from a lot of uh, companies and recruiters and everything that technically we uh, we we really uh, do a good job with our students. So uh, and what we need to work more on is on the uh, soft side, on the uh, getting the students into the experiences that will put everything they learn into the real world, yeah. right? So uh, that experiential learning could be done in different ways and we do it in different ways. And it's not only affects undergraduate students, but also grad students. So you'll see a lot of our, our own grad students spending time in companies, specific projects cool. guided. It's, we want them not to just have simply, you know, an internship that gives them a check. That's good. Right. However, what we want is to have some sort of mentoring program within those companies, right? That that gets them ready on the soft side of their skills uh, to be part of the real world. So we do have a great office here in, in the college that really puts together uh, good plans for the students to do and companies and the private sector to do experiential learning. Some of those are also in in research labs and students that are interested in that. And, and get them ready, uh, like I, I said, uh, for the real world. So we're, yeah. uh, I think that's very important. We're also, just to give you 20 seconds of this, we're also bringing some of that experiential learning into our, into our classroom. So gotcha. instead of just counting on the companies to do that for us, but also bringing the companies into our classroom to yeah. help us with that development. Very cool, very cool. Dean Bolero, thank you so much for your time. Aces at the University of Illinois. Great program there. Good luck against Indiana this weekend, and uh, we will talk with you again soon. We need that game. <laughs> Good stuff. Thank you. All right. That is Herman Bolero, the Dean of Ag. Being an Army Ranger is a very fast-paced lifestyle. I was clearing a weapons cache in Haditha, Iraq when the building collapsed on me, burying me alive. I spent six months in the hospital and a year of recovery. When I was separated from the military, I just felt like I was useless because I only had this one thing that I was supposed to do and then that one thing was taken away from me. And then one day, I got a call from Wounded Warrior Project. They asked me to come to a workout and I decided that I was gonna get better, both physically and mentally. Now I'm a warrior leader. I create events and opportunities for other veterans locally. Wounded Warrior Project did a phenomenal job reminding me that my injuries 
aren't going to define who I am. And because of that, I can do anything that I want. See how we help warriors combat stigma at woundedwarriorproject.org slash combat stigma. I'm Tyne Morgan, host of U.S. Farm Report. Join me each weekend as we explore the news and issues that matter the most to agriculture. We know this past year has been challenging in many ways, but as agriculture continues to adapt, we are right there with you. From markets to weather, each weekend we take a deep dive into what matters most. Join me each weekend for U.S. Farm Report, timely, trusted tradition. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public, the list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Every farmer has their reason for why they do what they do. For Beck's, it's faith, family, and farming. Since 1937, the Beck family and family of employees have been committed to honoring God and helping farmers succeed. Farming is full of extremes, and we face the challenges with hard work and steadfast determination, delivering quality line of products backed by legendary customer service. We look forward to standing by your side, supporting you as you live out the life you were meant to live. Bex, when it comes to farming, we believe in something more. Anyone can choose to make a difference. You can help people succeed, rebuild after disasters, protect the environment, or feed the hungry. Not only will you make a difference for others, but for yourself. You can earn money for college, learn career skills, and make friendships that last a lifetime. Make a difference. Choose your future. Choose AmeriCorps. No doubt you've heard of MetLife, but did you know that MetLife Investment Management has over 100 years of ag lending experience? The MetLife Investment Management team maintains close relationships with its borrowers and can structure a customized loan with flexible terms to meet your financial needs. Looking to expand, refinance, or recapitalize? Consider MetLife Investment Management. Learn more at MetLife.com forward slash ag. Mom's early Alzheimer's diagnosis was hard to take. And when I left the oven on, we decided together that it was time to see a doctor and make a plan. Early detection gave us more time to seek out information and support as a family. If you or your family are noticing changes, it could be Alzheimer's. Talk about seeing a doctor together. For more information, visit alz.org slash time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Hey guys, it's me, Isabella Gomez, filling in for Smokey Bear because he's got more to say than just... Only you can prevent wildfires. Like, if you're outside enjoying a barbecue, don't let a hamburger distract you from fire safety. Make sure you aren't dumping your hot coals or ashes onto the ground because that could start a wildfire. So take wildfire prevention seriously and let's save the world one day at a time. Juntos con Smokey Bear, podemos hacerlo. Go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. The Scoop Podcast is where we talk about tight supply chains, emerging agronomic challenges, technology tools delivering ROI. I'm Margie Echelkamp, editor of The Scoop and host of The Scoop Podcast. Join me as I interview leaders from across the ag retail sector. Farmers are working hard for every bushel and their trusted advisors are by their side. Find The Scoop Podcast wherever you find podcasts so you are up to date on everything ag retail. Our name says it all. Agritalk. What more do you need to know? Okay. Welcome back to Agritalk, everybody. <laughs> Davis Michelson here. Hey, um, yes. W- lots to talk to after today's program. We've got reports coming up. I want to get the details on those, but don't. I'm feeling a uh, a yields in the fields coming on. 
You feel oh, it? Yields in the yeah. Fields on AgriTalk is brought yeah. to you by Microessentials, the super granule that packs balanced nutrition into a single granule for uniform nutrient distribution and season-long sulfur availability. Supercharge your yields with the Mighty Micro from Mosaic. We are going to step a little bit outside of the traditional Corn Belt into the land okay. of Kentucky, Central Kentucky, Fayette County. A grower what a reports this. Huh? I, I, uh, what a growing uh, season they've they've had over yes. had over there. Uh, uh, crazy. Well, just wait. It wasn't all gravy. They uh, this grower starts quote our corn was fabulous with yields in the two twenty five to two seventy three bushel per acre range. Wow. Soybeans below our average with yields in the low sixties. He says quote I have not touched double crop beans yet, but they will be a sore spot expecting yields. In the low 20s, um, double crop bean problems related perhaps to mid-season problems in Kentucky, Chip? Well, once they got that crop off, the rains had basically already ended. Once they got the soft red winter wheat crop off, okay, and started planting the soybean crop, the rains had basically ended. Mm -hmm. So that bean crop was living and producing off of moisture that was in the ground only. I don't know if they really got what they would call a good rain after the bean crop came up or not. Mm-hmm. So It seems like it was raining just fine for a while there in Kentucky, oh, though. Am I remembering getting, that oh, wrong? Oh, yeah. Early in, early in yeah. the season, they were wet. There was flooding all over the place over there. And then it was too wet during the SRW harvest. Uh, but, boy, as soon as the harvest was done, so was the rain for a lot of guys. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. yeah. So, speaking of yields. Yes. We've got uh, USDA crop production reports coming here in about seven minutes. That we do. That we do. Yes. Uh, the average trade guess on the national average corn yield, 173.2 bushels per acre. NAS in October, the National Egg Statistics Service at USDA, was 173. So the average trade guess is up two-tenths of a bushel. The trade range is 172 up to 175.7. That would be a surprise to me. That's a little high. Yeah, what would not surprise me, what would not surprise me, is if a uh, dip down to 172 happened. It wouldn't surprise mm-hmm. me at all. Here's mm-hmm. here's my reasoning. Here's my reasoning. It the, the crop was off a bit from a year ago. And last year was 173.4. Now, the average trade guess, 173.2. Okay, I get it. It's two-tenths of a bushel below that. But it's not that much below what it was a year ago. And I, I don't, I just don't think uh, that this corn crop, you know, I say that, but I saw some very nice people on my, uh, on my flight last night. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had, th- I had two different yield reports. Uh, from Eastern Iowa, and they both basically said, I don't know where this corn yield came from. I don't know where this bean yield yeah. came from. Mm-hmm. Does that sound familiar to you, Davis? It sounds a little familiar. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So may, maybe a once, maybe something really close to what we had a year ago at 173.4. Maybe that does make sense. Now, on the soybeans, the average pre-report trade gas on the yield, 49.6 bushels per acre, the trade range. 49 to 50.3 bushels per acre. Uh, believe it or not, NAS in October was 49.6. NAS a year ago, 49.6. So we've kind of found a sweet spot there at 49.6 bushels per acre. If there, now the average crop estimate for corn, 15.079 billion bushels. Mm-hmm. The trade range, 14.9 up to 15.3. 15.3 would be a negative number, Davis. No question about it. Anything under 15 billion bushels, I think uh, the, the, uh, uh, the uh, geez, the computers. <laughs> the computers would see something that, start, that does not start with a one and a five and say mm-hmm. that's got to be bullish. So that okay. would probably trigger some some short covering in that corn market I got to believe on on soybeans the average trade guess 4.103 billion bushels on the bottom end 4.037 billion 
up to the top end at $4.162 billion. Uh, NASA in October, $4.104 and $15.064 billion bushels. So they're coming right up here, man. And uh, this is the last crop production report that we will get this year. The next update that we get will come in the January annual production summary. Okay. What did you think of the conversation with Cooper? That was really interesting. Um, it, it's nice to, to dig into something like that with Cooper. You know, there's so many times we have him on and there's some atrocity being committed, you know, against yeah. ethanol or biofuels or whatever. Yes. And he's yes. telling us about the fight and the, you know, well, here, you know, he's up on Washington pounding the pavement and the whole bit. Dude, this thing with the, with veterans is very exciting to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, uh, it's like I said, it, 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 it's become, it has become, and you know what? I think we're just recognizing that it has become a community. Mm. All right. The number Mm -hmm. of veterans employed in the biofuels industry, three times the national average. I, that, uh, it, you know, on a percentage basis, I think mm-hmm. that it has become a community that that service members yep. uh, can can relate to, and they can, can they can find support by groups like uh, we talked about with Jeff. So it's very very cool, very cool. All right, thank you so much for listening this morning, this afternoon. Davis and I are going to have the details of the crop production and the supply and demand reports for you. And tomorrow morning, you know what it is. It's Friday. Wiesmeyer's going to be here. Michelson's going to be here. And we're going to have a free-for-all right here on AgriTalk. They say in the summer, if you listen closely, you can hear the corn grow. But what if Micro Essentials, the mighty micro, gave every single solitary stalk the superpower to grow and grow and yield more? Micro Essentials beats commodity fertilizers by packing all the balanced nutrition crops need into a single granule for more uniform nutrient distribution, increased nutrient uptake, and season-long sulfur availability. Supercharge your yields with Micro Essentials, the mighty micro from Mosaic. Every farmer has their reason for why they do what they do. For Beck's, it's faith, family, and farming. Since 1937, the Beck family and family of employees have been committed to honoring God and helping farmers succeed. Farming is full of extremes, and we face the challenges with hard work and steadfast determination, delivering quality line of products backed by legendary customer service. We look forward to standing by your side, supporting you as you live out the life you were meant to live. Beck's, when it comes to farming, we believe in something more.